Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash LA Slant. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com forward slash LA Slant. All right, please be joined by Travis Rogers on the LA Slam podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Travis Rogers. Does a great job with the Rams pre and post game on ESPN LA 710, as well as USC and the Lakers. Travis, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you joining me. We're kind of in that NFL vacation mode right now, 10 days away from Rams training camp in Irvine. And Travis, I don't know, usually this time of year, NFL cities are ramped up. They're excited. I know you worked in Houston, so you're probably familiar with the Texans and their fans. I'm from D.C., Mm -hmm. so Redskins fans are rabid. I was in Denver this time last year, and it's Broncos country there. How do you compare the buzz around the Rams this season as opposed to last season? Because I get the sense that L.A. is still trying to figure out this whole NFL thing. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty accurate. I think last year there was some excitement for for the return of the NFL to Los Angeles. It had been a while, 21 years since – We'd had a team here, and when the Rams announced that they were going to come back, I think there there was some genuine excitement in the air. And nine years old, I, I was I was grew up with the Rams. The Rams were my team as a kid, so when they came back, it felt really natural to root for the Rams and get excited about the Rams. But the fact of the matter is, there's a there's a 21 year generational gap where people weren't here. That the Rams are the St. Louis Rams to them. It's going to take some time for for them to come back and, and get invested in the team. And, and this year, I, I think you're right. I, I don't know if there's been uh, an increase in the level of enthusiasm or, or interest. I think it's probably the same. Maybe it's even waned a little bit. But, you know, the fact of the matter is the Rams were bad last year, and they, they've had a, a coaching change. They, they've brought in, you know, a whole new coaching staff. Wade Phillips obviously going to coach the defense, and Sean McVay, and I mean, we'll talk about those guys. But, until they start to win, the excitement is the excitement isn't going to come before the winning. The winning's going to have to come first. Yeah, you can't kick field goals at the Coliseum and expect fans <laughs> to be to be jacked up for 2017. But you mentioned McVay and and, and Phillips. Now that you've had a full off season to kind of digest everything they've done, from the new coaching staff to the free agents and the draft picks that were brought in, what are your general thoughts on this football team entering 2017? Well, you know, it's interesting, Chris. I, I, I'm excited about it, and, and I might be in the minority there because there's it, – it's funny. I'll, I'll be back up a little further. I just got done watching that Amazon series on, on the Rams, that all or nothing oh, that yeah. they did. It's kind of like a hard knocks, but it's what covers the entire season. And you forget that the Rams, you know, they were 4-12, and 12, but they were a player two away in five or six games. They could have been – a nine or a 10 win team pretty easily. Now they weren't, and you know, like Bill Parcells famously said, you are where your record says you are. And they were four and 12 and they were lousy, but there are some pieces there. Now, obviously the biggest one is Jared Goff and how he does and how he improves. And I, I think that he can't be any worse. I mean, I think that there has to be some improvement and, and how much that is time will tell, but I really like Sean McVay. I've gotten to spend a little bit of time with him. I've gotten to see him in, in a couple of different situations. I, I love his enthusiasm, his passion. I think that he's going to bring a, a style of football to the Rams that simply Jeff Fisher was incapable of doing, that they're going to be offensive. They're going to they're move the ball. I mean, you saw what 
Kirk Cousins did, or or in the world of, of the, the the Redskins GM Kurt Cousins. I oh mean, my gosh! They, oh, uh, <laughs> it's pretty unbelievable, but they. Uh, I, I think he, you know, if he could do that sort of work with Cousins, I think that the the prognosis for Goff is probably pretty good. And like you said, you can't kick field goals in the Coliseum. So even if the Rams don't win ten games, if the Rams go from four wins to six wins or seven wins, and some of those wins are, are wins where they're scoring in the thirties, and even if some of the losses are with you know losing thirty one to twenty eight is much more palatable than losing ten to six. And that's what a bunch of those games felt like last year. They were tough to watch. I think they're going to be a lot better. And, you know, Wade Phillips speaks for himself. That guy's been around the block a million times. Everywhere he goes, the defense is fantastic. And the Rams have a good defense to start with. They have a lot of talent on that side of the ball. So I think the defense is going to be great. It's a matter of whether Sean McVay can get something out of Jared Goff. They drafted a bunch of playmakers, and they made a trade for Robert Woods. It'll be interesting. I think they'll be better. It's just how much better. We'll, We'll find out. Yeah, McVeigh's best hire obviously was Wade Phillips, and you talk about Kirk yeah. Cousins. Cousins broke his own single season Redskins passing record last year, so there's there's a lot of potential there for golf. We just we don't know what he is yet. And the bottom line is this: when you haven't had a winning season since 2003, the culture needs to change, right? And I, I think they made yeah. the right decision in hiring Sean McVeigh, and I imagine that regardless of what happens this season. He has a free pass to experiment with the offensive personnel, get to the root of the problems on this football team. You know, Les Snead, on the other hand, he's entering his sixth season with the Rams, and Jeff Fisher obviously didn't survive last year. Snead did. He's had a very up-and-down tenure with this organization. How important do you think this year is for Snead? Huge. I, I, I think I think you nailed it. I think that he, if they have another bad season, and I even think if they have a, a mediocre season, I think Les Snead is in trouble because of all the reasons that you just said. I, I think that Jared Goff is, is – his pass, I think, is the most interesting one because you're, you're right. Sean McVay is going to get some time. Even in the NFL, the, the, the timeline gets shorter and shorter and shorter. He's going to get a year or two to implement a system. I mean, that, that's every, everybody gets to do that. So, But Jared Goff trying to learn a new system, trying to jump into this thing, if he isn't any good – and I agree with you, Chris. I, I don't think we have any idea if he's good or not. And I know a lot of people are down on him because he went over seven in his seven starts. He didn't look particularly good in a bunch of them, but he was running for his life in every one of those games. And the one thing we did figure out from him last year is he's a pretty tough guy. I mean, they beat the snot out of him week in and week out. He kept getting up. He kept coming back for more. So I think that's a good sign. But the rest of it, it's almost impossible to evaluate when you got two guys in your face a half a second after you take the snap from center. Um, I think Sean McVay is going to help him a lot and, doing what he did with Cousins and seeing the way that he, he does what he does, the level of precision, the level of enthusiasm. I'm, I'm really excited to see it. But it, Les Snead is – I'll be honest, I, I'm surprised he's still here. I thought that when they did make that culture change, when they did get rid of Jeff Fisher, and they basically got rid of the entire staff, the exception of Bones Fossil, that they were going to come back and, and, and do the same thing in the front office, and, and they didn't. That Les Snead made it through, I think, was – was a surprise to me and a surprise to a lot of Rams fans. The jury is still out, obviously, on golf. But I look at some of the other things that he did, Travis, with the Tremaine Johnson franchise. I thought that was a little mm-hmm. bit curious because I don't know if he fits Wade's system. Um, you know, he has, he has to get Aaron Donald's deal done. The Tavon Austin thing yep. speaks for itself. I, I think I've run this that thing into the ground on this podcast. It's almost like a drinking game every time I, I mention the Tavon Austin contract. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, Chris, you and I haven't really talked about it, but I, I'm just from hearing what you're saying. It makes no sense. Tavon Austin is kind of a gadget guy, but this idea that he's going to turn into Deshaun Jackson is a pipe dream, and yet 
they're paying him like he's Deshaun Jackson, and he's he's a special team guy, and you run a few jet sweeps with the guy, but I don't see it at all. I, I, I'm not a big table on odds. I mean, nice enough guy and plays hard, but the, the game just isn't there. Travis, his cap number, his wide receiver cap number is third. I think I think only Des Bryant and Larry Fitzgerald have a higher cap number of, uh, from a wide receiver <laughs> perspective this year, which is insane to me, you know, because this guy is yeah. not even a wide receiver three, I think, on this team. So no. I, I, I don't know. But the, the thing about golf <laughs> is I, I actually talked to Keyshawn about this a few weeks ago, and he's high on Sean Mannion, and he says there's not much mm-hmm. of a difference there. I'm sure you've talked to Key about this as well. McVay has made some statements, though, this offseason that have, have kind of opened the door for Mannion to have a chance. But how realistic do you think that is? Not very. I, you know, that, that, I think the, the comments about Mannion are probably nothing more than an attempt to motivate Jared Goff, an attempt to make him be a little uncomfortable um, in, in his role as the number one guy. But, like, they, they just gave away the entire store to go get this guy. There's no way after seven games that they're going to punt. The, the, only, the only scenario I see, and I think this is really unlikely, is would Sean McVay going to the team, and, and with the team I mean ownership and, and the front saying, look, I wasn't hearing you drive this guy. This guy can't play dead. This, this guy cannot play, and it's not going to work. We need to see if Sean Manning's got anything, and if not, we've got to start looking for a quarterback again. Then maybe something like that happens. But, look, Jared Goff will or will not be a good player. We don't know yet, but clearly he got drafted number one for a reason. There has to be some ability in there, and I think you at least have to give it – a full season where he's your guy and, and see what is in there exactly. Because I mean, one year after taking him number one overall, giving away all your picks to go get him to punt on a guy that early, I think would be a, a, a shocking move. No, you, you have to give him a full season. There's no doubt about that. And if yeah. he can't play, he can't play. And I think Sean McVay, I, I think he's the best person to diagnose that at some point during the season anyway. If he if he's like, hey, I can't do anything with this guy, then they have options because you, you get to a point where, hey, he was the number one overall pick, but he's not getting Sam Bradford or Matt Stafford money when he they were the number one right. overall pick. You can cut bait. And as you mentioned, you alluded to this earlier, Kirk Cousins is potentially going to be a free agent next year because the Redskins could not figure that out. And McVay, connect the dots there with uh yeah with him and then Kyle Shanahan too the, the Niners have more more money I, I you can always manipulate the the salary cap but hey I wouldn't be surprised if Kirk Cousins gets courted by Sean McVay if it doesn't work out plus you got a guy named Sam Darnold Josh Rosen and then the other guy uh, Allen from Wyoming in this upcoming draft so you do have options there if golf isn't going to be the guy yeah and I think you need to get that piece figured out because you're moving into a new stadium here in a couple of more years and you know Los Angeles is not going to show up just because, and there'll be a novelty factor for the new stadium. There'll be something everybody wants to see it. And it's going to be fantastic and all of these things. But the fact of the matter is if you move into that new stadium and you've got a, a tenant with the chargers, you're competing for eyeballs, you're doing all these things, you're competing for attention. And if your team continues to be six and 10, seven and nine, eight and eight, and just spinning their wheels, spinning their wheels, spinning their wheels. That's, that's not going to work. That's, that's why they left here in the first place. Um, they're they're going to have to be somewhere down the road with a quarterback by the time they move into that stadium 2020. And that that point, it certainly doesn't have to be Jared Goff. You have a lot of options by the time that rolls around. There's no doubt about that. And I think when, when the Rams got to L.A. last year, Travis, I think they were expecting Todd Gurley to be a all-pro and a, and a superstar. And he didn't have a 100-yard game last season. In fact, I looked this up uh, recently. He's had just one game 
over 90 yards rushing in his last 24. That's crazy to me for, mm-hmm. for a guy who started so hot uh, his rookie season. Are, are we expecting too much from him? Is, has he underachieved? I can't figure out this Todd Gurley situation. Well, it, it, I, I was in the same boat, Chris, and I was asking the same questions. And I do the, the Rams pre and post with Eric Davis, who played with the 49ers and the Panthers. And he played through the year, you know, won the Super Bowl with the 49ers, a really, really good player. And he said, you know, about a year from right now, we were sitting out at UC Irvine. We were getting ready to do our first show from training camp. And we, I asked him almost exactly that about Todd Gurley. That coming off of his rookie season, where he's fantastic, but he kind of faded near the end, what was happening, and, you know, what sort of player is he? And he said, you know, we don't know yet. He goes, there are a lot of guys that show up in this league that are really, really good players when they first get there. And then we got to see what the, the second act is because the rest of the league is going to adjust to stop you. And now it's up to you to figure out what you're going to do next. And so far to this point, Tom Gurley really hasn't done anything next. Now, I do think there are some extenuating circumstances. Number one, that offensive line they had was beyond terrible. And, and if, like we were talking about with Jared Goff a minute ago, if there's nowhere to go, there's nowhere to go. And I don't care if you have Barry Sanders or Adrian Peterson or O.J. Simpson back there. If there's nowhere to go, there's nowhere to go. And I think that's part of the problem as well. But I do think that Todd Gurley, at some point, the part that's interesting to me, too, is there weren't even long runs. Like you, like you said, he hadn't had a game over 100 yards or just one over 90 in his last 20-some-odd games. But you would think that a player, if, if he's as good as we were hoping he was, you're going to bust off a 35, a 40, a 45-yard run three or four times a season. Last season, I think going into the last game of the year, his longest run of the year was like 18 yards. That, that just defies explanation to me That because even a bad offensive line is going to put together a, a hole once in a while, and he just wasn't finding anything at all. And I, I'm, I'm optimistic, but I'm not to the point where, oh, it was a weird thing. Once they get the line fixed, he'll be fine. I'm I'm curious to see how he's going to do because I think he's a big question mark. And I think camp's going to be important for this too, to kind of see how he progresses because you were at camp last year, Travis. The Rams, bottom line, handled him with kid gloves last year as if he was was already enshrined in Canton, you know, and and they built everything around Todd Gurley. I don't think McVay's going to do that this year. So I'm interested to see how he reacts to that and how he responds to that in training camp because – you bring in Lance Dunbar, and he's a third down back. He catches balls out of the backfield. I thought that they were going to bring in another back to maybe push Gurley in training camp, and that could still potentially happen when you look at the, the landscape of the league and injuries and everything. But, but I think training camp is going to be so important for Gurley because he's going to be treated differently this year than he was last year. Yeah, no question about it. I, I think that he's got to go in there with a kind of like a rookie mentality. And that is, you know, I got to, I got to show everybody what I can do. I got to earn my reps. I got to earn the opportunity to get the ball during the game. Because like we've talked about before, Sean McVay is, is a quarterback guy. Sean McVay is an offensive guy. He's going to spend his time with the quarterback. He's going to find a way to get the ball where he thinks it needs to go. And if Scott Gurley's running for three yards and a carry on average, which he did last year, he's not going to see the ball. I mean, obviously the defense is, or I should say the offense is going to be a little different, but he's not going to do the Jeff Fisher, well, we just got to get going and just run the same four plays over and over again until you're down 17 to nothing, and then you have no choice. Sean McVay's not going to do that. So I agree with you. He's got to come out in camp and, and play. I mean, he didn't take a snap in camp last season. And or I should say in the preseason, and, and he's got to do that. He's got to play. Every, there's nobody on this team, I think, with the exception of Aaron Donald and maybe Alec Ogletree, who can just show up to camp and say, okay, I'm, I'm an NFL guy. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to come here and wreck this place. Everyone else, and especially on the offense, 
has to compete from the very first day. Yeah, and I think that's a big reason why they got guys like Gerald Everett and Cooper Cup. You get Robert Woods yep. this offseason. You have Tavon Austin in the fold, Farrell Cooper. You have a lot of unproven guys, and there's really not a number one receiver on this football team, but I think McVay wants to see who's going to emerge. Who do you think is going to emerge as golf's top target this season? I, I really think Gerald Everett was drafted to be Jordan Reed 2.0. I just don't know where he is in his development yet. Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting guy. And I think another one of the rookies, you know, aside from Everett, is going to be Cooper Cup. I, yeah. I'm talking to the people that, that I've talked to that certainly know, you know, looking at a football player on film and can say that this translates really well, maybe this translates a little less well, that everybody I've talked to that knows those sorts of things say that Cooper Cup is a really, really good football player and that he might be the guy that once he kind of understands the system that – maybe he's the guy that can be a little bit of a difference maker. Because like you said, Robert Woods is a nice player, but Robert Woods isn't the number one guy. Tavon Austin isn't the number one guy. They, they still don't have one. They might have a couple more two and a halfs and threes and, and hopefully something like that. But I, I don't know who the one's going to be. I, I had high hopes for Tyler Higby last year who caught the ball really well in college. He came in and really was a non-factor last season. And maybe Everett's the guy that kind of slides into that role. But I, I – from what I hear, Cup is the guy that has the, the biggest opportunity to be what we're hoping somebody will be, and that is a guy that can maybe stretch the field a little bit and maybe get some of those big catches that, you know, Kenny Britt made him last year. And, you know, I mean, give him credit because he, he did a good job for the Rams. But you put Kenny Britt on 30 of the other 31 teams, and he's the third or fourth guy. And he was the number one guy for the Rams last year, and that's just, that's just not going to work. And then also from a salary cap perspective, if if they hit on Everett and Cup, it gives you a lot of flexibility over the next few years to to do something at the quarterback position or give Donald the money that he deserves. And that's where I want to go next. I o think line that, too. Yeah, O line obviously. You know, that, yeah. actually, before we get to Donald, I want to go to the O line because you bring in Andrew Whitworth, who I think is going to be great and solidify the left side of that yep. line. And I, I like what Aaron Cromer did in Buffalo. They had a fantastic offensive line, and Shady McCoy. Mm-hmm prove that what do you think this offensive line is going to look like this year because I I was shocked that they didn't get anybody in the draft I think they're they're hoping that they can develop the guys that they currently have in the roster they traded away Greg Robinson do you think this line can be better just by a coaching change in in another year well how about this I I don't think they can be worse they can't they can't be worse I I I don't I don't know if that's an upgrade or not but I don't think they can be worse I agree with you I think Aaron Cromer is going to do a good job I think Whitworth uh, is is a is a huge upgrade there. Um, we'll, we'll see. They added John Sullivan as their center. He's a guy that hasn't played a ton the last couple of years with injuries, but is is a pretty good player when he does play. Um, and then he, he was in Washington back. too they, last year, Travis. He was with McVeigh in Washington um, and, and played some yeah. games, so he knows the system. Yeah, and you know, especially at that particular position, you you know, as a center, that that's certainly going to help. It's going to help Goff a little bit. And you got Havenstein; he moves from a tackle to a guard. So they're, they're shuffling the deck a little bit. I, I'm optimistic. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think Cromer's going to make a big difference there. But um, you know, they, it's interesting. I, I agree with you. I, I was surprised I didn't see to or didn't take a guy in the draft in the old line. But I read something the other day that I hadn't really thought about. But when I read it, it made a lot of sense to me. And that is that. Because more and more college teams are running the spread and, and they're they're asking guys to block in certain ways in college that they're really not going to use in the NFL, but it's becoming more and more difficult to evaluate collegiate offensive linemen and how they're going to translate to the NFL and how teams are going to be more and or I should say less and less likely to use high picks 
on offensive linemen because they just don't know the, the transition and how it's going to work that they're going to try to find them once they're in the league or later in the draft because the, the amount, the, the, how important that position is and the amount of, of fluctuation in, in what you see on film and a college player and what he's going to look like in the NFL is just too great. And it's going to be harder and harder to find those guys in the draft. Yeah. And it was such a weak offensive line class this year, coupled with what yeah. you just mentioned. And I, I, they had a chance to give Forrest Lamp, who I, who was probably the best interior lineman in the draft. They traded out of that, that slot to get Gerald Everett uh, several spots later. The Chargers got him. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it, I think there is some positivity around the offensive line when you consider Aaron Cromer comes in and says, hey, I think I can work with this crew. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I want to get to Aaron Donald because that's really the, the low-key storyline entering camp because he may hold out if he doesn't get this new deal. Do you think this gets done before camp? Because history shows us that Robert Quinn, he got paid a couple Septembers ago. Tavon Austin obviously got paid last year. It, it, it seems like a no-brainer to find a way to get this done before camp. I can't imagine that they don't. I mean, it, you're, you're talking about the Aaron Donald is the one guy on this team that is a bona fide, grade A, blue chip, whatever you want to call him, star that the Rams have. Aaron Donald is an NFL star. He's a first team all NFL guy, whatever you want to say about him. That if you don't get into a pissing match with this guy over money because he's going to get it eventually. Just give it to him now. Let's roll it out. He changes everything on the Rams defense. He blows up other teams' offenses. He's, you know, to, to use the phrase, he's a game wrecker. He just makes things stop for the other team. He lets all those other guys, the Robert Quinns and the other players, Michael Brockers and these guys, that they, they can get going because so much attention is paid to Aaron Donald, and they, they have to get it done, and hopefully sooner than later. And Aaron Donald's a football guy. He's not going to want to hold out and just to, you know, some guys say, hey, I'll just miss a couple of weeks of camp. I don't need that. He didn't want to do that. He wants to play, and I, I, I think it gets done sooner and later. At the very least, it should get done sooner and later because he's the best player they have, and it's not even a close second. Yeah, and his cap number is ridiculous. It's like $3 million this year. So he, he, he's yeah. vastly underpaid. And I, I think the Rams realize that you can't let a guy just sit on the sidelines and be angry, and he's your best player. So no. we'll, we'll see if that gets done. I, I assume it will. It's not a big deal until it becomes one. But Travis, when, when you worked in Houston, were, were you, was Wade down there with the Texans? He was. He was. He actually was the uh, defensive coordinator. Gary Kubiak was the head coach. Um, and, and he did a great job. I mean, he was, he, everywhere he goes, the defense is good. I think he's one of those guys that is perfectly suited for that particular job. I know he's had a handful of head coaching jobs and his teams have had a ranging amount of success, but I don't think that he's built for that in the, the, especially in the modern NFL where so much media and CEO type stuff is, is required to be a head coach. He's certainly much, much better served to be a, a guy that's, setting up his defense and looking at the other team and figuring out ways to go about it. I, I think he's fantastic. He, he, he's not really an L.A. guy, so to speak, but no. <laughs> uh, I think Rams fans are going to like him because that, that defense is going to be really good, and he'll be exciting. The way they play will be exciting. Yeah, the players swear by him, too. I was in Denver helping yeah. out the Broncos with training camp and preseason last year, and again, it was that Kubiak Phillips uh, connection and yeah. uh, what he was able to do. I mean, everybody had, loves Wade. Everybody loves Wade. And, yeah. you know, Kayvon Webster yeah. comes over. He knows the system. And I think Aaron Donald's going to wreak havoc in it. So uh, they're yeah. not going to miss a beat on defense. That's for sure. I want to ask you, too, about the Chargers because you're, you're down in Orange County. What's the appetite for the Chargers right now? It's been a very interesting five or six months. Zero. I mean, I, wow. they're, they're, I, Chris, I'm not kidding you. You are the first person to ask me about the Chargers since they moved here. 
it, it's literally like it didn't happen. It, it's like it didn't happen. I, 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 I'm not being entirely literal, but mostly literal when I say this. And, and that is, I think when the season starts, the vast majority of people in Los Angeles are going to be like, what do you mean they're not in San Diego anymore? I don't think they know they're here. They, when the Rams came, there was a big rally at LA Live and thousands of people came out. And like, it wasn't like it would be in Cleveland when the Browns came back. But the Rams had a, an event and there were people and it was loud and it was looked good on TV. The Chargers had an event. There couldn't have been 60 people there. I mean, it, it, nobody cares. Now, if they're good, if they win, people will come in and people will get excited because LA loves teams that win. LA loves the opportunity to go and, and look at something that's exciting and, and, and positive. But the, the appetite and the interest is literally zero. That's amazing, especially in Orange County, because that's, that's the fan base they're trying to attract. Because yeah, LA such I, a big, it's such a big market, and to 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 have crickets down there, I mean that's pretty telling. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because you know they're they're set up down here. They're set up in, in Costa Mesa. That's where they're going to have their camp and their and their their team offices. But you know they're going to play at StubHub Center for a few years, which is LA, which is not Orange County. And then you know they're going to move into the new building with the Rams, but you know, I, I'm in the heart of Orange County. I'm in South Orange County. I'm, I'm actually a little bit closer to San Diego than I am to Los Angeles when it's all said and done. But, and, and I have a lot of friends here that are San Diego Chargers fans, but now that they're here in LA, it doesn't do anything for them. And as far as, you know, ancillary people getting excited about them, they, they do, do not exist, or at least I have never run into one. And you, you know what I find fascinating really is you're playing in a 30,000, seat stadium that's really a soccer stadium and with these delays with the Inglewood stadium you have to be there an additional year right so you have to make a jump from 30,000 fans to 65 70,000 fans to fill up uh, the Inglewood stadium how are you going to do that I, I think in year one the bells and whistles of the stadium like you said people are going to be excited about just having a new stadium and the two teams in in uh, in Inglewood but again if you don't win and you have to double your fan base, essentially. How is that even feasible? I don't know how they're going to be able to do that. Yeah, I don't either. It's going to be interesting. I'm kind of excited to see what NFL football and StubHub Center is going to look like. Because like you said, it's, you know, it's where the Galaxy play. It's a small place. Even if it gets pumped up for NFL you know, standards, it's, it's a 30,000-seat venue. And maybe they fill it, and it looks cool on TV, and it's intimate, and it's rowdy, and all these things. But... Maybe they don't. I mean, if you, you're looking at a, a possibility where the Chargers could be playing in front of 20,000 people in, in a 30,000-seat stadium, and it doesn't even look good on TV from a sense that there's empty seats and everything else. And, you know, I, I think the Rams and the Chargers are in a little bit of, a, of an arms race as to who can get good first because whoever is better, I think, will have a better opportunity to be the team in L.A. that people get excited about. Now, I'm biased because, like I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, I, I grew up in L.A. I grew up a Rams fan. That was my team. So the Rams feel like the institutional team here. The Rams are the Dodgers and the Lakers. And then you look at a team like the Chargers, they're going to be the Angels or the Clippers. They're, they're, they're that B team. But if they get better fast, and, and they certainly have a better opportunity to get better fast because you have a real quarterback in Phillip Rivers. And I think the Chargers, while not a good team, are closer to being a good team maybe than the Rams are right now. If they can come in and sneak into the playoffs, they'll, they'll get some attention. But I really don't think it's going to – I think that's going to be one of those things. And 
on a balance sheet. I'm sure that the Spanos family is now saying, okay, our team is worth, you know, two point, you know, two times what it was before. But the reality of it was, is that the San Diego Chargers had good fans and, and the Charger fans were, were rabid and they were invested in the Chargers. And, and I don't know if they'll ever get that sort of support here in LA. It, it just feels weird to say Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, it's, it's, it, the Chargers yeah. belong in San Diego. So uh, it, yep. it's it's going to be very intriguing over the next few years how this arms race shakes out because, again, we have I've, – I've mentioned this on my podcast several times because I, I think it's so interesting that we have guys in our backyard like Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen who are L.A. kids and could potentially be under center for one of these two teams – in a couple of years, just from a marketing perspective, I think that'd be amazing. But I, well, think, I mean, think of think of think if the Rams or the Chargers got Darnold, Darnold in particular, Josh Rosen's kind of a, a punk. <laughs> I don't think he's real. He might turn out to be a good player, and if he's a good player, then all bets are off because, like we talked about, winning fixes everything. But if Sam Darnold goes to let's just for let's say he goes to the Rams and they get a chance to do, I mean, look at what Lonzo Ball has done for the Lakers in a relative, you're talking local guy, local university, going to the local team. It's just one of those perfect storms. If if the Rams or Chargers could hook on with a, a Rosen or, or Donald in a similar situation, I mean, that would be just ideal. But, you know, like we always come back to, they got to be good. They got to play. They got to win. That's a great point, though. You know, and I, I guarantee you that the Rams and Chargers are taking notice of all the buzz. I mean, the Lakers get buzz regardless, but it's been a, a down four seasons. The Lonzo effect this offseason has been just unbelievable. And you, you, you know, it's it's just it just further augments the Lakers brand. But but you're 100 percent right. I didn't, I didn't even think of the, the Lonzo comparisons. You, when you you bring in like a Sam Darnold or, you know, especially like Sam Darnold playing at the Coliseum for a couple of years, how, how crazy oh, would yeah. that be for the Rams? <laughs> oh, it would be, it would be and, and, you know, time will tell, but that guy looks like he's from another planet. He's amazing. And if, you know, all of a sudden you get a little buzz, you get, like you said, you get the Coliseum thing, you get the SC thing. He wins a couple of games. All of a sudden he's a San Clemente kid. That, that's just, that's a dream come true for the Rams if that could work out. All right, Travis, I'm going to get you out of here on this. The Rams, they're still in a division with the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Niners are down right now, but you know I kind of like the direction they're going with Lynch and Shanahan and bringing in some, some guys who know that Shanahan system. What would you consider a successful season for the Rams in 2017? I think if the Rams could finish 500, I think that's a really good season for them. I think to go from where they were last year where they only won four games to where if you win twice that many at eight, I think that's a, a, a very successful season. Now, I don't think that that is a huge ask, but I think it's a realistic ask. I, like we mentioned a minute ago, the Rams were 4-12 and 12 last year, but the Rams could have won eight, nine, ten games. Really, a, a catch here or there, a first down here or there, a stop here or there and they win three or four more games really, really easily. So I don't know if going from three or four wins to, to eight or nine is as big as it might look like on paper. Um, I don't think they'll get in the postseason. I think you got two teams in the division that are much, much better than they are right now in Seattle and Arizona. Um, you know, and to get two wildcard teams out of one division is really difficult to do. But, you know, Time will tell. But I think if, if, if Sean McVay could, you know, if you shot him with true serum and said, would you be happy with eight and eight in your first season? I think he'd be very, because then you got some momentum, then you got something to build on. And now all of a sudden you got people's attention. You just want to see a little bit of improvement, especially from that offense. And I think the schedule shakes yep. out a little bit better for them this year being, I think three of the first five are at home as opposed to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, watching that all or nothing 
how many miles they logged going to London and back oh. and forth. It was just, it was actually brutal to watch. So I, I think the schedule's in their favor. And I agree with you. I think eight and eight, you sign up for that any day of the week. And you just want to see improvement, especially out of that offense. So we'll see what happens, man. He's Travis Rogers. You can follow him on Twitter at Travis Rogers. Catch him on ESPN LA 710. Travis, thanks again, man. Let's do it again during the season. I'd love to. Thanks, Chris. All right, bud.